Welcome to Hal's Part 2 Tribute on New Orleans. This is Hal's Hit List with legendary actor Hal Williams, Charlotte Hembrick, and Kathy Hembrick for this special tribute to New Orleans, the jewel of America. Louisiana has been known um, to uh, be the backdrop and the, the storyline for so many uh, well-known popular films. And I don't mm -hmm. know if you did any film work in Louisiana or not, Hal, but I just wanted to go over some of these films um, that we're familiar with. But I also want to you know, bring up the fact that there was a period where there weren't a lot of films being made in New Orleans. And then they, they came back with this enormous tax break back in 2002, which right. brought a lot more films uh, to the New Orleans area. And then we'll talk about what's coming uh, in the future. But Streetcar Named Desire, um, obviously was one I'm sure you saw. And what were your thoughts on that, Hal? Oh, that was a wonderful film. Uh, well, as you say, a lot of uh, famous films have, have been originated there. And uh, long before I ever went to visit, I went, when I went there, I started looking for locales that reminded me of things I had seen in some of those films and, and things. Uh, it, it, the Queen Sugar thing on TV, I stayed with that. Uh, about three years ago, there was a tremendous show on called, uh, that that uh, that uh, was produced called Treme. It was all about oh, yeah. the Indians, the Indians mm -hmm. out of New Orleans and how they got dressed up for the big parade and all that stuff. And I, that was something I never even knew about. And mm -hmm. that series stayed on, I think, three and a half, four seasons. I never missed it because it enlightened me. It told me so much about, like Kathy today, about the history of New Orleans is so accurate and right on, on point. What started all this was back in the days when Hollywood got to the place it was so expensive to, to produce and make a film there, it started a thing called Runaway Production. Mm. And I remember mm -hmm. the mayor at the time, Tom mm -hmm. Brady, mm -hmm. tried to get him to, to mm -hmm. meet with Hollywood and, and relax tax breaks and all that stuff. And they wouldn't listen until, the city of Los Angeles wouldn't listen until they started to notice a lot of companies were shooting in Louisiana. Then mm. they were shooting in Georgia, mm -hmm. then in North Carolina. All these places wanted the companies to come there and they made it attractive and much more inexpensive to produce and film down there and even a lot easier. And that's what started that trend and that's what turned it into such a, a great location area to shoot many films. What becomes its own character in the films? I mean, and a lots of awards, you know, I know this is a favorite place of Brad Pitt after he worked on um, the vampire movie with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, right. He also came back to work on the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, um, Interview with the Vampire, that was the one. Um, so he, 12 Years a Slave, he was a producer, had a part in that. Um, then there was the comedy Girls Trip, Ray, uh, Denzel has done a lot of work here yeah yeah is there something that stands out for you kathy um a production or a particular film that that really captured your heart uh, well i can yeah i can i can remember being in high school you know just about every slavery movie has been filmed up up river you know in the parishes where i live in ascension parish and saint james parish so miss jane Pittman. Um, Mandingo, uh, right. Twelve Years a Slave, Sounder. Um, you know, most 
all of the movies that Ernest Gaines made famous um, through his novels, um, of course, Miss Jane Pittman, um, I just had an opportunity to meet Cicely Tyson. She, she spoke at his funeral. Um, she did his eulogy um, of Ernest Gaines. So uh, Sounder was filmed around Baton Rouge. Um, so many of these plantations have become the site of, uh, of the movies about slavery. Right. And right. Um, those movies are not filmed in New Orleans, but they're filmed upriver in the rural river parishes where I live and where our museum is located. So when you come to New Orleans, for those of you planning a trip who are listening to Hal's show, or next time Hal, we need to encourage people to take a road trip you know, it's okay to be in New Orleans, stay in the hotels, but but if you can rent a car or find someone to bring you up river and to go into the small towns or find the museums that are beyond the city of New Orleans and take your children, bring your children with you. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, if you have an elder member of your family who might remember where one of your relatives lived in places like Napoleonville and Vachery and even, you know, Slidell and Pankerville, Plaquemine, yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so even though your grandparents or your great-grandparents are no, long, no longer living in these towns um, above and around New Orleans, I really wanna encourage us to to bring our children and to bring our families back to those rural towns so we can see where we come from. Exactly. And it would exactly. be nice to support financially these areas as well um, because they definitely have restaurants and, and museums, as you said, and that would be helpful as well, I think. Um, the yes. next film that I know that's gonna be huge that's coming to the area is Emancipation with Will Smith. So um, I know Kathy is really concerned about authenticity with a lot of these films. And I know how you're pretty, you're pretty done. You don't really want to see too many more of these types of films, but it's important. But if they are going to make them, it's extremely important that they're authentic. And you, Kathy, you know, we, they always want to show uh, cotton fields. And yes. Can you speak on that a little bit with regards to um, where I'm going with this? Yes, you know, I, I know, <laughs> I, I can say that I know every plantation owner between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. And there's about, mm, about a dozen of them, maybe about six of them that are locations for not only documentary films, but, um, you know, big budget Hollywood films and even videos. For instance, Lemonade, the film that, uh, I mean, the, um, the video with uh, Beyonce. But what I've been told by a couple of, of the, the owners of these properties is that Hollywood will come in. And I guess because most of us in America identify cotton as the, the only crop associated with slavery, they will actually pull up sugarcane. They'll, they'll pay that plantation owner or that property owner 
money and they will take out the sugar cane and plant artificial cotton for, for, for a seed. Yeah, I, believe, I believe that, I believe that. And so I, I, I oftentimes wonder, even for instance, say with 12 years a slave, when Solomon Northrup actually lived on both cotton plantations and sugarcane plantations, there's so little reference to sugarcane. And that was the crop of South Louisiana where most of these movies are being made. Um, so I'm hoping that there will be more authenticity in regards to what slavery was like in Louisiana was different than what slavery was like in Mississippi and in Georgia. And that's because Louisiana was a French territory and it was a Spanish territory. Right, right. So our stories about enslavement and also about freedom are so much different because we had free people of color who owned their own businesses. We had so many people, the first governor, PBS Pinchback, Oscar Dunn, Lieutenant Governor. We had America's first elected black mayor, Pierre Calis Landry in 1868 during reconstruction. So I'm hoping that Hollywood and those who are in your circle of writing these new uh, screenplays will give us more content about who we are as people of color who survived and celebrate freedom. Give us some stories about freedom. And I'm so happy that Will Smith is taking on this story of Gordon, um, you know, who, who was a runaway uh, from Mississippi, ended up in Baton Rouge and joined the Union Army. Give us more stories about freedom. And this is what young people are telling me through the museum. Right. Right. Give us more stories of triumph. We need those stories, Hal. Well, this is something, that's why Charlotte was laughing. She said she knew I didn't want to hear about the antebellum, but this is why I've been applauding some of the young filmmakers coming along now, that's exactly what they're doing. They're mm -hmm. giving us more than, you know, fields and cotton and all that stuff. They're giving us insight to us as a people and the experience and the freedom that we enjoy once we got out there and were able to make progress and achieve, even though people are, to this day, are taking our creativity and taking credit for it. That yes. tells you right there how valuable we really are as a people. Yes, absolutely. We have a hard time based on what I'm hearing today on these reparations, let me tell you. That's going to have to dig real deep the way I'm hearing it. Okay. Um, I just wanted to talk about what everybody also associates with New Orleans and with Louisiana is the hurricanes and the, the mm -hmm. horror that everybody watched in real time, uh, Katrina, and then COVID. So Kathy, if you could just talk about how that affected uh, Louisiana as a whole and how it affected New Orleans. Um, and then we're gonna bring it back around and we're gonna end on a real positive note, but I cannot have a conversation about New Orleans without talking about both Katrina and COVID. Well, you know, it's like every time I hear 
the word Katrina, I get chills up my spine. And, you know, we're now in the second week of June, hurricane season started June 1st. I don't know if people realize what we live with every time there is a hard rain in South Louisiana, it's almost like PTSD. It's not like PTSD. I think we are in a constant state of coping with the weather. And as we enter hurricane season, we are worried about the waters rising. We're worried about the levees breaking. We're worried about our neighbors who may not be fortunate enough to get on a plane or get, get in, in a car, SUV. get in an SUV. And when you know a hurricane is coming, you need to pack up your family. You need to think about your elder relatives who may be diabetic, who may have dementia, who may have Alzheimer's. How do you get all of, all of your family members together to take them to higher ground or to another state or a safe place? We are all of us in South Louisiana, it seems in emergency mode for three to sometimes five months, it seems now, as hurricane season takes us into November and as we have more and more named storms. And a lot of people you, don't realize, Kathy, I, I, just, I'm, I'm gonna, I just wanna jump in for two seconds. Mm -hmm. I just wanna say the number because everybody's you know, hearing these numbers about deaths. I don't think people realize that over 1,800 people died during yes. Katrina. Um, so you could take it from there. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> that's the numbers that are published. Yes. Um, my family, our family, Charlotte, as you know, we've been in the funeral home business for almost 100 years. I can tell you that the residual deaths from, from Hurricane Katrina, we're not talking about the people who died in the water, in the floods, or people who died in the convention center, or the numbers no. that were being counted by the CDC. I'm talking about the people who I know that we lost because they might've been um, missing their um, chemo treatments. They might've not been able to get to their uh, insulin. I know mm. that there are people, and I can say this, and uh, there are people who died of heartbreak. They are, I, we had relatives, Charlotte, our, you know, our Aunt Cora, who was um, um, in, in treatment for breast cancer, when she realized after leaving New Orleans thinking she was gonna come to, come, going to come to my house up in Ascension Parish as they always come up across the lake to me, packed just enough clothes for the weekend. You know, we figured the storm was gonna come. We're gonna go up there and have our hurricane party. We're gonna bunker down with family and then 
thinking you would be home in a few days and she could never go back to her house in Pontchartrain Park. Never. Go, never went back to her home. Um, there are thousands, tens of thousands of people who could not go back home. And I know for a fact that there were elder people who died from heartbreak. A husband yeah. may not have survived the flood. A husband may have died in the hospital or in a nursing home. Then you had that mother or that grandmother who out of the heartbreak of the loss of losing that husband died of heartbreak. I believe in that. Um, I say that here we are now, 16 years after Katrina. I think it'll be 25 years before we truly, truly know from all of the research about what the flood and the hurricane did to our environment in New Orleans, before the studies about healthcare and trauma, how it affected the mental health of the people of New Orleans who were scattered around the country, those who came home and those who did not. It may be 50 years before all of the reports, all of the data and all of the statistics are actually revealed to the rest of the world about the true impact of the levees breaking in New Orleans. Thank you, Kathy, for putting that in perspective. And then, you know, and then of course, COVID, where a, a state, you know, as in many states in the South, who don't have the best healthcare systems in place to begin with, um, and then uh, the hospitality industry being such a big part of New Orleans and Louisiana, to have that just rug pulled from under your feet. And also this, you know, whole concept that you know, such a rural area that people are just going to, again, get in their SUVs and drive off to get their COVID vaccination or drive off to get their COVID test. It, it doesn't work like that in places like this. You have to go where the people are. You have to find them. I mean, I was just driving around to a birthday party last night for my little cousin. And I mean, I was in the woods for 35 minutes to get to that house. I mean, I mean, I was driving for 35 minutes, but we're going to come to a close and I want to talk about, you cannot talk about New Orleans without talking about Mardi Gras and the Zulu parade. And I know you've done some research on the Zulu queen, because this is the, this is the, you know, period of the queen right now in this country and the jazz fest and uh, so forth. And we're going to close out on some of those experiences um, that, you may have had Hal and Kathy that you, of course, have experienced. We'll start with Mardi Gras. Yeah, well, you know, Mardi Gras did not start in Louisiana. It started on the Gulf Coast. And, you know, we're always getting into this debate with our friends over in our sister city of Mobile and down around past Christiane. But, um, you know, there's carnival. We call it carnival. We call it Mardi Gras. And uh, it's a celebration uh, in Louisiana before Ash Wednesday. It's tied to Catholicism. It's also tied to uh, Junkanoo and uh, Jubilee and, and festivals around the world. Um, but 
I want to say, because you mentioned uh, the Zulu um, Carnival Club, uh, which also started off as a social and pleasure club uh, and benevolent society. These organizations are charitable organizations and many of the parades that people come and, and partake in uh, during Mardi Gras, they're raising money for charity. It may seems like, seem like it's a big, big party before uh, the Lenten season starts, but Zulu started off to help longshoremen and help those men working on the river so that they would have medical insurance when white insurance companies would not insure. Um, African-Americans and um, it breaks my heart again. We celebrate and we mourn all at the same time. Zulu lost close to 20 people during the season after Mardi Gras last year um, to coronavirus. Um, now that carnival club is the largest carnival crew uh, black Carnival crew, one of the largest crews of any of the crews in the city of New Orleans, well, they lost 20 of their members. So you think that we had millions of people who were at Mardi Gras in February of 2020 from all over the world. And unfortunately, yes, we have to admit that we might've been one of the largest spreader events in the country because people got back on, went, went, returned home on planes, stayed mm -hmm. in hotels together. Right. We've missed Carnival now, Mardi Gras for two years. We've missed the Jazz and Heritage Festival, of course, Essence Festival. You heard me say my family is in the funeral home business. I wanna remind America and remind young people that if we ever wanna get back to normal and to be able to enjoy a carnival and concerts again, we must be safe and become vaccinated. You have to get vaccinated, you have to wear a mask, we have to do everything that we can do so that one day we can return to celebrating and hugging and laughing and eating with each other. It's been really difficult to get young people in Louisiana and people in the rural areas to take the vaccine. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we will see some positive results by, by the fall so that we can get back to normal. But people it's been really, really comfort. hard. It's hard. Yes, I, yes it is. People are getting too comfortable. They, uh, <clears throat> they, we're spoiled in this country for one thing. This is a brand new thing. Anybody who would be reluctant to get the vaccines, if they think about it, when it first started and was in this really high point in New York, that they had the bodies stacked up in the refrigerator. Yes. All of that stuff was going on. People didn't want to wear masks. They didn't want to do that. Now that we found a vaccine that can probably bring it under control, but it's not over. It's not going to be over for a long time. And if you let up now, it can resurge and become back even stronger. So that's right. what we're trying to impress on people. You know, and then the fact that you must understand, we live together. If you don't do this, what about the other people that you come in contact with on a daily basis, whether you know them or not? You know, you got to think about beyond yourself. Much beyond and you also yourself. have to think about 
right? You also have to think about there are people that can't take the vaccine because yeah. they're going under cancer treatments or, you know, there's various reasons that they are not taking it. So we have to, for, for the sake of those who can't take the vaccine, try to get as much as the country healthy as possible so that right. they're not at risk as sure. well. Um, sure. So, but, but uh, so yeah, that, that's important for sure. But as we come to a close, um, all of these wonderful experiences and all this history that you shared with us, Kathy, we are gonna end on a positive note and say, bring it back to New Orleans. We wanna see you all, (laughs) we love you all. And goodbye from New Orleans. I'm Charlotte (laughs) Hambrick on House Hit List. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Nice to meet you, you, Hal. Thank you, Charlotte. Nice to meet you, Kathy, and thank you for enhancing our show. This is going to have to be edited into a special. I'm saying that stand out, that stands alone all by itself because of your appearance. Thank you so very much. God bless. Stay well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for spending time with Hal Williams, his producer, Charlotte Hembrick, and amazing guest historian, Kathy Hembrick of the River Road African American Museum. This ends the first season. Please go and experience any of the podcasts you may have missed wherever you get your podcasts. They can also be found on YouTube. Don't miss Hal's Hit List.